Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? First of all, I want to thank everyone that uh, uh, volunteered and helped in any way for our Night to Shine on Friday. It was a great night, and uh, the, all the, the folks that came had a great time. We had 100 that were signed up, and I think nearly that many came. And uh, it, it's, it really is, if, if you were there, I, I, I've never really met anybody that said, man, I sure wish I hadn't done this. Uh, most people were like, man, it was a little out of my comfort zone, but it was awesome, and I'll be back next year. And uh, we really appreciate that. And, and it's become such a big deal that, you know, we can only handle about 100. Um, and, you know, we lease a facility, and um, the, that 100, we open up the registration, and it, it's, it's full in a day. And we have waiting lists from that point on. And, you know, we hate having to turn people away, but we just don't, you know, we don't have the room for anymore. And it really... You know, I don't know if y'all know this, but the, the new worship center that we are constructing, we built that to where we can use um, that entire facility for other events. And uh, so I'm excited about the day when we'll be able to have, open that up to have 150 or 200 uh, people come tonight to shine there. So if you haven't filled out your pledge cards, please do that soon so we can get there. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. But anyway, uh, we are excited about it. And I appreciate everybody that, that worked in that, particularly Tina Jackson. Um, you know, she did a great job, and, and we appreciate everybody that volunteered. Um, today we're going to be uh, continuing our series called Ripple Effect. And one of the things that can really affect you is the way you think about things. And so we're going to talk today about the way you think about things. You know, there's there's been a thing going around for years about, you know, uh, positive thinking, the power of positive thinking. And if you just you know, and even in the church world, there's become, you know, this thing, well, if you, if you want, whatever it is that you want, if you just want it bad enough and you think about it and you, you say this or whatever, then you'll get it. Well, that's not, that's not true. Now, I will say this, that whenever you're praying or asking for something and it lines up for God's word, it's going to be done. When it lines up with God's will, when you've gotten yourself in a place where you're praying and you're thinking towards God's will, it, it is 100% going to happen, no matter what. But sometimes we get to thinking and we get to wanting things that, that aren't God's will for us. And, and we don't have some power to just by, well, if we open the right key of things to say, we can make that happen. But really, the, there's a war oftentimes in our minds between what we believe about ourselves and what God's Word says about us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, there's so many times we're like, well, I'm just worthless, or I, I can't do this, or I, if I can only have that. And I want us to talk today about um, power thinking versus positive thinking. And there is a war that's going on in our minds. And most of the war, spiritual wars that we have are lost or fought first in our minds. You know, there's that war about, well, I know that's wrong. But then there comes the thought, was it really that bad? It's not as bad as this, or it's not as bad as that. Or, you know, maybe it's just, a, well, I deserve that. And so we fight these wars about thinking in our minds. And then we have also, am I really forgiven? <clears throat> you know, what do I have to do to make up for what I've done? And I want us to see some, some basic truths and how we can replace bad thinking 
with power thinking. And that power comes from the Word of God. But we're going to start off, we're going to read first from a guy that, that experienced that war in his mind. Romans 7, 21 through 25. If you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. <clears throat> I've discovered this principle of life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know, there is a, a, a power in the way that we think. And if we think wrong, there's power in that, but it's not the power that we want. In Proverbs 23, 6 or 7, it says, don't eat with people who are stingy. Don't desire their delicacies. I know you're thinking, what does that have to do with thinking? I'm going to get there. They are always thinking about how much it costs. Eat and drink, they say, but they don't mean it. So here's the deal. They're doing and saying the right thing. Hey, come and eat and drink. But inside, they're thinking about how much it costs, and they're thinking about how they don't want to waste it on you. And there's some versions that even say, as a man thinks within himself, so he is. And here's the thing. The way that we think about things is going to determine who we are. And sometimes even when we do the right thing, if our thinking's wrong, like these guys, instead of thinking, hey, you know what? I've been blessed with the ability to feed some people. They're offering to do the right thing, but inside they're wishing you wouldn't eat it. They don't want you to eat it because all they're thinking about is how much it costs them and what they could do somewhere else. And see, we get caught up in that sometimes. Even when we do the right thing, we're, we're inside we're cringing because we're thinking about it in the wrong way. And so here's what, what I want us to look at. What we have to do is identify in our minds where we're believing lies and where we're living lies, and then we've got to replace it with the truth of God's Word. It says in Hebrews 4.12, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts. So the first thing the Word of God does is it exposes the lies that we believe. It exposes them. And the second thing is it's powerful, and it can replace and defeat any of those lies that are within us. So what we've got to learn how to do is to think in accordance with God's Word. You know, there, there are, there, I mean, having a positive attitude is a great thing. You know, if you have a, you know, you're involved in a sport or you're doing something in life that's difficult, you want to go into it with a positive. If you go into it with, man, I'm fixing to get beat. This ain't going to work. I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. You're, you're, you're probably going to self-fulfill your own prophecy. But there are limits to that. You know, you, you can say all you want. Hey, you know what, man, I'm going to, I'm going to train and I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go try out for a, a, an NBA team. But if you're five foot four and you can't jump and you're slower than Christmas, you ain't going to make it. it don't, all the positive thinking in the world is not going to help you. Now, it may help you be the best 
five foot four, can't jump, can't run, can't do anything else. You could be the best at that, but that's not going to be good enough to be people that are professional athletes and have athletic ability and size and speed that you don't have. And so there's a limit to, to just like, man, I'm going to be, I can do this, I can do this. There's a limit to it, but there's no limit to how much God can accomplish in and through you when you are living and agreeing with God's word. That is powerful. And so instead of positive thinking, make it power thinking. I want to make sure that what I'm thinking and the way that I think, because that's the way that I'm going to live, is lined up with the word of God. In 1 Corinthians 2.16, you can, and I know some of y'all are like, well, how can I know? How can I know these things? It says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So, you have the mind of Christ because you have the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, well, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. If you're saved, if you have a relationship with Christ, you have the mind of Christ. You have the Spirit of Christ. The Bible's really clear that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have Jesus. So if you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And so you have everything that you need to be able to know and understand the Word of God. Now, does it help to have people to teach you? Absolutely. The Bible talks about being taught, being mentored. You know, women that are, that are more experienced, they need to mentor women that are younger, men that are more experienced in life, been following Jesus for a while. You need to mentor people. But you as a believer have the ability to know and to understand the Word of God, okay? And you can certainly spot lies. And so we're going to talk about those in a moment. It also says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, because you're like, well, how can I... You know, once you're kind of ingrained in a way of thought, it's hard to get out of it, isn't it? The science tells us that every, every time you think something, it makes a pathway in your brain. And the more you think it, the bigger the pathway gets, and the easier it is to go back to that way of thinking. That's why it's one of the reasons it's so hard to break through some ways of thinking is because it gets ingrained in us. And, and, and yet that's one of the gifts that God's given us. Because here's the thing. When you can replace that with power thinking, thinking that lines up with the Word of God, the more you think that, the more it becomes who you are, and the easier it becomes to live it. And so God created us in such a way that the way we think affects the way we live. And the, that can be scary when our thinking is not lined up with the Word of God, but when we turn it around and get it lined up, that can be a powerful thing in life. And God's given us the ability to do that. It also says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, hey, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture these rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Okay, so here's number one. We've been given something that is for knocking down strongholds. Now, there's some, probably every one of us in here has some kind of stronghold of thinking that we go back to. Whether it's we think we're not good enough, we think we're not worthy, we think this or we think that. There's something that we struggle with. Maybe it's the thought of pride. Maybe it's thinking we're, we're better than we really are. Whatever it is, 
everybody has a, a way of thinking or a stronghold that needs to be knocked down. The good thing is we've been given weapons. One of the main weapons is the, the sword of the spirits one, which is the word of God. Okay. And what are they, what do these weapons do? The word that's used that talks about knocking down strongholds is a word, it's a Greek word, dunamis. Okay. And that's the word that we get the word dynamite from. So it's, it's to explode strongholds of bad thinking. And now here's what it says. We capture rebellious thoughts. What's a, well, I don't have rebellious thoughts. I'm not rebellious. Well, any thought that you have that doesn't line up, that is contrary to the word of God, is a rebellious thought. And what are we supposed to do? We can capture it through the power God's given us to defeat strongholds. We capture it by the word of God. We can, we can filter it. Hey, that thought, that's not from God. That thought that says, man, you're, you're worthless. Who do you think you are? How could God ever use you? Here's what we do. We capture that thought. Hey, that thinking is not from God. The Bible tells me I'm forgiven, that I belong to Christ now, that I have been declared righteous. We'll get to that more in a minute. But here's the deal. We replace that bad thinking with thinking that lines up with the word of God. And, and here's the deal. You can do things that you never thought you could when you're following God's will and being obedient to what he's called you to do, and you begin to, to, even when you have a hard time believing it, when you choose to walk in it, you'll see the power of God. You know, there was a guy that came to us several years ago, and we came and asked him, said, hey, man, we, we've, been, you know, we've been watching you grow in your faith. We've, been, we've, been, we've seen that. We've seen it. And so we'd like you to lead a small group. And he's like, oh, oh. Man, that's one thing I've always said I can't do. I can't stand up in front of people and, and, and teach or do I, I can't do that. He said, but I'll pray about it. He came back and said, you know what? I, I think, I, I don't know why, but I think God's telling me to do this. And we were like, well, of course. That's why we came to you. <laughs> so y'all remember that next time we come to that? No, I'm just kidding. So he started doing it. And you know what? He became one of the best small group leaders I've ever seen. His small group exploded. People came from everywhere. And he, he became one of the best teachers that we've ever had as a small group leader. And all because, it wasn't because he was this dynamic um, person that everybody was drawn to. It was because he was obedient. And when he lined up his will and his walk with the will of God, there is power there, and God can accomplish great things. So we've been given this ability to, to break through strongholds. And here's something else I'm going to tell you. Whatever your stronghold is, it's a stronghold for a reason. That stronghold is there because it's keeping you from the very thing that God wants to do in you the most. Satan doesn't build strongholds where God is not active or wants something. He builds strongholds to keep you down, to enslave you from really fulfilling and seeing God's will in your life. So where there's a stronghold on the other side of that is a great victory or a great opportunity to be used by God. But we have to see it first. Now, John 8, 31 through 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, 
you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And then what does he say? And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You see, Satan uses lies to imprison us, to keep us from knowing the truth, to keep us from really walking in what God wants us to walk in. But we have the weapons we need to destroy that. So now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through just a few of the common ones. It's not all of them. There's a lot of others. But a few common lies that the enemy tries to tell you. Here's one thing, and that's that you're not good enough. You know, Satan's always trying to remind you. You remember that time you did such and such? You, you know, you're this. This is what you've done. This is your sin. Remember your sin? Who do you think you are? You ain't good enough. You'll never be good enough. Who are you to think that you could tell somebody else about Jesus? You're messed up. I'm going to tell you right now. There ain't nobody in this room that ain't messed up in one way or the other. Me included. We are a, we're, we're a, Broken by sin. That's what happens to us. There's, all, there's somebody, all of us in this room have something we struggle with. And so the enemy's going to try to tell you, you, what, you can't beat that sin. Quit trying. And here's the problem. There's too many Christians that are just like, well, I know it's wrong, but. If you got that in your life, then let me tell you something. You've allowed that stronghold to become an excuse. And you ain't fighting it anymore. And now it owns you. It owns you. Well, you know, I, I know I shouldn't. I know God's word says this, but you've, you've, allowed the, you've lost the battle in your mind. You've made excuses to why, A, you can't overcome it, and B, why you shouldn't even try. Don't let that stronghold rule you. Okay, now let me tell you what the Bible says about it. When you say, well, I'm not good enough or I can't, here's what the Bible says. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. So when the devil tells you you're not good enough or reminds you about your sins, you remember this verse. I have been made right. In some versions it says, declared righteous. Here's the deal. God has said, you are righteous if you're in Christ. Now, it's not because you got better or you, you, all of a sudden you stopped sinning. He made you right by faith because of what Jesus did. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, that's a bit, one of the best definitions of grace. Undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. You see, here's the deal. Anytime something in you says, I'm not good enough, or reminds you, well, you're this, and labels you by your sin, that's not from God, that's from the enemy. The Bible tells us that God has removed his sins as far from us as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. Now, it's not that God's had a moment and forgotten, you know, who he is or who the, the king of Egypt is or some of y'all get that. Anyway, he don't forget like that. 
He forgets by choosing not to acknowledge. So when he looks at you, he's not looking at you, oh, there's that person and they're, they're this and they've done that and that. He looks at you as someone who is righteous, perfect, because of what Jesus did for you. And so when the enemy tries to tell you, you're just a blank, recognize that's a lie and replace it with the truth. We have, I've been made right in God's sight by faith. When God looks at me, he's not looking at a, at a messed up loser that can't get their life together. He's looking at me as his child. You're, you are co-heirs with Christ now. Everything that Christ is going to inherit, which is all the world and everything in it, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to inherit right along with him. You understand that? That's who you are now. Don't let anybody, particularly the enemy, tell you something different. You have been made right in God's sight. Now, there's another one. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing special. I mean, I don't have the gift that person has of, of, of being able to do this, and I, I don't have that, and I'm not that guy. I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm just, I'm just nothing special. I'm just one of the crowd. I'm just out here living life, but I, I, you know, so what? Let me tell you something, you are something special. It says in Psalm 139, 13 through 14, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You know, here's the thing. You start thinking you're not special, understand something. You are the only one of you. I mean, is that not amazing? I mean, if that doesn't prove to you there's a God, I don't know what would. But also, if it doesn't show you how much God values you, he could have just, well, let's, you know, let's make a mold. We'll have like five kinds of men and five kinds of women, and that's it. But that's the only two genders, just saying. But anyway... Let's make him number one or number four or whatever. You are like one of a, a billion billions. How many people lived on this earth? If you added them all up, and there's more numbers than I'm familiar with because I don't math well. But let me tell you something. You're one out of all that. There's never been, never will be another you. Never will another person walk this earth that is just like you. You are uniquely made. And God wouldn't have taken the time to make you special and unique if you weren't worth it. There's no one else like you. You know, one of the things I've said to people through the years is I, I, you, may not, you may not reach like Billy Graham and, and bring thousands, tens of thousands of people to Christ. You may not. But there are, there's somebody in this world, maybe more than one, maybe dozens, I don't know, but there are people in this world that you are going to be more uniquely qualified to share the good news of Jesus with than anybody else on the planet. Because nobody else 
has, is you and has the experiences that you have and the beliefs that you, you are unique. You're spe- you are special. And in Romans 8, 15 through 17, not only are you uniquely made, but here's what it says. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Now let me tell you why that's significant. That word Abba is is an Arabic word. And the best translation in our language would be the word daddy. The word daddy. You know, if you have kids and you know, they come over to your house or whatever you're around them. At some point, there's going to be the question, or they're going to, they're going to answer themselves, but the question is going to be, you know, well, what do I call you? Well, you can call me Mr. Brian or, you know, your highness or, no, whatever, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, or, or Mr., whatever it is that you, you, you tell them. But you don't tell anybody but your kids to call you Daddy. And you don't teach your kids to go around, oh, if it's a man, just call him daddy. That'd be weird. Because as a father, I'm like, I don't want you calling nobody else daddy. I'm your daddy. You call me daddy. Now, I get it. When you get married, you know, there's something. And I understand that. And I'm cool with that. But, but I don't want my kids running around calling everybody else daddy. I want them to call me that. I want to be the only one that they use that word on. And they're the only ones that I tell to use it. And here's the thing. God told you, you can call me daddy. Because that's how much you mean to him. Once you have a relationship with Christ, he says, all right. I've I've declared you righteous. It ain't because of something you did, it's because of what Jesus did. But you get the benefit of it. Not only am I calling you righteous, you, you can call me daddy. That's what God says to you. And so don't ever let the enemy tell you you're not special. Don't ever let the enemy tell you, well, you're just one of the crowd. You're not. And you need to replace those lies with power thinking that comes from the Word of God. For His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We're heirs right alongside Christ. That's what the Word says. Now, some of you go, well, I, something comes up, and you're like, well, I can't. I can't. I can't do this. Maybe you're even looking at something somebody else has gone through, and you're like, man, I can't. I can't do that. I don't think I could do that. You know, Mr. Wayne Hubick passed away last night, and you, could, you can't have been around Wayne for very, I mean, even a few minutes 
without recognizing this this a man that that I mean he he knows what it means to love people. And Wayne had a a complication from a surgery several years ago. He was a a principal and a really good one and after that he couldn't perform his job anymore. There was a lot of pain involved, went through all kinds of things, ended up in a wheelchair, couldn't walk. For the last 12 years, it's been one thing after the other. And you know what? There's times I've looked at him and thought, man, how in the world? I don't know if I could go through that. And he may have thought it too, particularly before he had to. But his spirit, you know, his body died, but his spirit never did. And the reason that you can go through things that you never thought you could is because you have a power. And so some of y'all are looking, facing something, you're like, I don't think I can do this. And you can. Some of you have been given a challenge by God. Hey, this is where I want you to go. And you're like, I can't do that. But you can. Some of you are facing a temptation thinking, I don't think I can resist this. But you can. It says in Philippians 4, 12 through 13. You know, I'm going to read you what may be one of the most misused verses in all the Bible. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You've seen that last one all the time. Sometimes by athletes or people, I can do all things. But that verse is talking about, you know what? I can live on nothing. I can be poor. Or I can have a bunch. And I'm going to live for Christ either way. And you know what? Some of, some of you are even, you, things are going really well, and there's, there's temptations that come along with that. And maybe you're like, man, I don't want to blow this. You can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You can do everything. Anything that comes along, you can handle it through Christ. You know, there's another one. Well, God can't, he can't use me. I mean, because of, of what I've done. Now, there's, there are times, there are times when you, 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 you come to Christ and, and you need to grow and you need to learn and there's things you need to experience before God can use you fully the way he wants to. But I'm telling you right now, everybody goes through that. That's not because of a sin. As a matter of fact, here's what Paul said. He's writing to Timothy. There's a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. I'm the worst of them all. Paul was there egging them on when they killed the first martyr, simply because he said he believed in Christ. He went around imprisoning people. He went around taking away their livelihoods, kicking them out of the church. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience, even with the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. 
You see, you're not who you were. You know, I love that song, Amazing Grace. It was written by a man who was a slave trader. That's what he did. And he came to, to faith in Jesus. And he actually became a minister in a church, and he wrote this song because he just, you know, here's the deal. You're not who you are, but you shouldn't ever get over what God brought you from either. You know what I'm saying? Remember. It's good to remember, but recognize you're not. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And then one of my favorite parts is, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. See, the writer of that song, it, it, and us, and we sing it as our song. You're not a blind, lost person anymore. You used to be lost, and now you're saved. You used to couldn't see. You used to didn't understand. But now you see. Your eyes have been opened through the truth of God's word. The sad thing is, there's plenty of believers that are out there still living like they're lost and they're blind. And you don't have to. Paul said, man, I, I was the worst, and God used me. And God can use you too. And you're like, well, I can't, I, you know, the next thing, well, if I only had this ability or that ability, or if I was only rich and could do this, or if I only had that, you know, if only. If only I was different. But here's the deal. You, you don't need anything else. 2 Peter 1, 3-8, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need. This is kind of a long passage. So I want you to stay with me, and I want you to hang on to these words, okay? These are important. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his marvelous glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what does he tell us first? You got everything you need. But then he says, hey, take steps. Supplement your faith. Make every effort to respond to God's promise. You know what God's promise is? Is that you're going to be made to be like Jesus. So we ought to make every effort to be and to live up to whatever calling we've been given. We need to, we need to be striving to live worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. And you know what that means? It means step by step. Because what does he say? Hey, you know, once you get that, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with excellence, moral excellence. Try to live it out. 
And then he goes through all these things. And then he says at the end, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you've got everything you need. You just need to have it. You've got to put it into practice. And so that's one of the ways that we, power, we live in power. We change our thinking to power thinking. We stop thinking, well, I can't do this. I'm not that. I wish I was that. If only I was this. I'm not good enough. God doesn't care about blah, 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 blah. And we start living, making steps towards God's promises. What's the first step you could take toward demolishing the stronghold in your life? Whatever it is, that thing you've struggled with for years and years. What's the step you could make towards living a life that's worthy of Jesus? Hey, I, I, nowhere in here, the one of the things I love about this, this passage doesn't say, hey, this is what you're supposed to be, now be it. It says, Hey, start living. Respond to it. Make a step. You're, you're more than you think you are. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Replace them with the power of God's word. Start identifying in your life, hey, that's not from God. And replace it with what is. The word of God is living and powerful. It is powerful. And once you get the more of the word of God in you, more of those truths you replace lies with, the stronger you become. And then the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not going to happen overnight, but you can by God's strength. So start power thinking. Thinking in power. Start replacing the lives the enemy has put in your mind and that you've grabbed onto. And start living out the truths of God's word. You can. You hear me? You can. And by God's grace, you will. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? You know, there's... The most important first truth you can believe is this, that God loves you. And that no matter what you've done, that God wants a relationship with you. And there's a simple way that you begin a relationship with Christ. And I want to tell you what that is. It begins with A, ABC is what it is. A, admit that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. That's how it begins. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And that death is separation from God. We talked about that last week. But the grace of God, the good news, is that Jesus came so we wouldn't have to face the penalties of sin. And you got to believe in Jesus. Jesus is God's son. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And he rose on the third day. So you got to admit that you're a sinner, ask forgiveness. You got to believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins. And then the last thing is you got to confess him as Lord. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
And so I know that sounds, you're like, well, it's got to be more than that. What, don't I have to do something? No, because you couldn't do anything to make it right. So God, through his son Jesus, did it for you. It's a gift. You can't earn it. Eternal life and being right with God, forgiveness of sins, is a gift from God. And all you can do is accept it. And if you'd like to accept that gift today, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. And so you can repeat it after me or pray in your own words. Just pray in your heart. God will hear you. But if you'd like to know your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that from this moment on that you are his child and that you've been declared righteous and that you'll be his for all eternity, you pray this with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins come into my heart and life cleanse me and make me yours I believe Jesus is your son I believe he died on the cross for my sins and I believe he rose on the third day so today I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my lord now, with nobody else looking around, I want to ask one thing. If you prayed that prayer today, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to call you out. But here's what I'd like for you to do, because I'd like to encourage you, and I'd like to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today, I want you to look up at me and keep looking at me until I see you. If you prayed that today, look up at me right now. Okay? All right. All right. Okay, I see you. I got you, got you. All right. Okay. All right. Now, what I want to tell you is, you prayed that prayer in faith. The moment you believe that, the moment you grasp hold of it, the moment you, you said those words in faith, God forgave you of all your sins. You are now his child, his son or his daughter. You belong to him. He will never leave you or forsake you. He will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And so I'd encourage you to get involved in the church. Let someone know there's a way you can contact us. It's on the screen, also in your bulletin. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to spend a few moments talking to you and encouraging you, answering any questions and talking to you about the next steps in following Jesus. It doesn't, we're not going to put your name down somewhere. You're not going to put you on a list. We're not going to bug you. We want you to find a church. We'd love for you to come here, but if you go somewhere else, that's all right. We'd love to help you with that because we want you to be somewhere that God can lead you and where you can learn the word. And so right now, I, want, I just want to pray for you. And pray for the rest of us that God would help us to see and identify the lies that we have believed and to replace them with truth. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace and your love. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage those that have accepted and trusted you today for salvation. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of their journey. 
And Father, I pray that they would find the right church, whether that's here or somewhere else, where they can be taught the word and Lord, grow in their faith with you. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you and we honor you. And we pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.